Hi, welcome back. It's Justine Harcourt de Dorville. I'm the editor in chief of Virtual, but we're broadcasting live at South by Southwest here in Austin, Texas, where they've put together a pretty phenomenal virtual cinema program. We will be speaking in this segment with three different uh, teams with VR projects. The first one is Incitement from Wiebe van der Inde, who is a Dutch director. He's put together a small project about, it's a little bit of a love story. It's about when Sarah comes home from a business trip and she's in the arms of her lover, Luis, and the little, little things that happen between couples. The second piece, we're going to be speaking with Zilla Watson from the BBC VR Hub. She commissioned this piece. It's called Nothing to be Written. The director is Lysander Ashton. Um, it's a very moving kind of art piece that tells the story of how uh, World War One soldiers had very limited communication with their loved ones back home. They were limited just postcards where they could tick off answers and nothing more. And then finally, we're going to be speaking with the Argentinian uh, director and executive producer behind Metro Bante, Cita Ciega, that's a four feet blind date. And it's the story of Juana, who is a 18-year-old girl who is in a wheelchair, and she has the same normal desires as any teenager, and she's dealing with sexuality. But you get to delve into her world uh, from a wheelchair perspective, from the perspective of a wheelchair's height, rather. Uh, very interesting. The director is Maria Belen Poncio, and the executive producer we'll be speaking with is Ezekiel uh, Leonardo. So stay tuned and you'll hear some interesting stories about some great projects here at South By. Welcome, Hiba. I'm very grateful that you're coming here in our Cabana Side uh, podcast at South By. Well, and I just to be saw here. the de- debut of Incitement. Yes, the world premiere right here in South by Southwest. That's, that's very good. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about the film? It's basically a, I wouldn't say it's a love story, but it's an insight into um, it's, a love it's story. It's an insight into a love story. It's about Sarah who comes back from a business trip and explains that she has to leave again. And then Louis, her boyfriend, decides to come clean for a very peculiar reason. I won't give away that much. So, yeah, that's basically the premise. Well, one of the interesting parts of it, it's kind of a snapshot of a relationship. And uh, I mean, a very small, like almost Polaroid length of of getting into the heart of, of how a couple communicates on, on certain issues or the their, their vibe, mm-hmm. let's say. And it, it kind of combines both inner dialogue and outer dialogue. You want to tell us a little bit of why you chose to go that route? I, well, first of all, one of the things that I really like about couples, if, if everybody's honest, is usually the quirky things that you have that connects you. Uh, every couple does crazy things. Me and my girlfriend, we sometimes walk, I walk her back when she's really tired, like we are trained. I mean, everybody does something. So that was something that I wanted to take as an inspiration. And then as a writer, I just want to take everything to an extreme. Um, and the inner outer dialogue, uh, 
outer dialogue is always what everybody wants you to think. So there's always an entire story going on inside someone's head. And if you also put an extreme in there, then that's where things become funny. So that's if if the, if you didn't have the inner dialogue, this would be a, such a hard drama. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Minus that, it would be a, a completely different take. Yeah. And, and a less, uh, <laughs> probably one where you'd walk, you know how you watch arguments with people and you feel really bad, you know, like you're embarrassed yeah. and awkward. I think it could have had that effect. Yeah. So the inner dialogue truly served a purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the shots that you chose? Because in some cases, it's really rather intimate when you have um, <clears throat> a camera directly above a half naked couple, or I guess they're it's it was shot in Amsterdam, so they're probably truly naked. <laughs> yeah, they were truly naked. I even have a story I can tell that story later. But uh, okay, well, now you can tell it now. Okay, well, the the funny thing is because I wanted them to be naked, uh, and I wanted them to be an intimate couple. I really believe that bodies react to each other. So if we would shoot the scene with them never having seen each other naked, then there's a tenseness in the body that I think, especially in VR, even though the image is still not that crisp, not that clear, uh, you notice it's it's just posture, it's everything. Right. So uh, I politely asked them if they wanted to spend a half a day in a sauna together so they could just talk and let their bodies connect in a natural way. Well, that's a good approach to that. What about um, the filming? Well, I'm sure the camera was pretty close to them. The camera was pretty close. <laughs> um, one thing that I'm the most proud of of this film is I work a lot with the psychology of placement of the camera and the movement of the camera. Because what you don't realize, I think, when you see the film, is that every camera is a moving shot. So, for instance, the shot above the bed... Uh, I wanted to choose that because it's weird. Uh, you suddenly, the, the, your axes are upside down, uh, and you're way too close. You're way too intimate, but you really do feel it like yeah. you're kissing distance from the yeah. couple. And, and, and it's just after the intro. So you're, you're building towards this moment where everybody first starts to peek around a corner and then whoosh, you're there. And then, um, and then, um, the camera is moving up. In the next scene that takes two minutes, it's moving up more than a meter. And what that does, you don't see it, but your brain notices it. So putting the camera that close and then pulling away tells your brain that this is a couple that knows each other for a long time, that they're comfortable, that they're intimate, that they really like each other. And that all tells you in two seconds. So that this is the thing that I like about VR and what you cannot do in normal film. Right. There's another decision you made as a director, which was, um, along with the inner and outer dialogue, I, I, I don't know if outer dialogue is a word, but, <laughs> <laughs> but for these purposes, we'll use that. But when, and for most of the film and when you're there, they're talking and you're observing, it's, it's done like a third person observer. And then at one point when the characters shift, they, you become kind of first person. Was there any reason for that? Yeah, also because uh, to give away the first, the, 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 the inner monologue. Okay. To, to, to push that in. Okay. To amplify that and to really envision what is going on in his mind. I wanted you to be in his mind. Okay. Well, I think it's a, a, a novel way to explore 
uh, storytelling and, you know, being at one point the audience and in some points you, you kind of assume the characters. It was, it was an interesting take. Yeah, thank you. And what I like in that as well, I wanted to do that in me, be that in slow motion because uh, as a director, I use this trick a lot, but emotions in slow motion just amplify that feeling. Oh, and in virtual reality, as a, as a first person shot, seeing something in, in slow motion gives you the feeling that, of course, thoughts, they go so fast. But if you want to give that, uh, if you want to tell that as a director, then you have to slow the rest of the world down to really hear the inner voice and be with that. That's, that's a true point. Well, anything, any hope here, how the film will do during the festival? Or it sounds like you have a lot of people signed up to see it. Yeah, yeah, the the line, I mean, we didn't want to take a line, but uh, the time slots are going really fast. So even people are trying to fill in time slots for tomorrow, day after we pulled in a second chair now. Uh, but what I think is most important is the response is really, really good. And people get it, people like it. And uh, also because I think it's a pretty weird story. It, it, it's 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 girl power coming it's short in. And sweet. It is it's short sweet. sweet, and and it's something that's different than than a lot of things out there. Because I like a lot of the VR pieces, but just a romantic comedy, which is a snap. It it's. It's, it's, it's a nice difference. Oh, it is. I think it has um, a, a lot to offer. And um, I'm sure people can recognize, anyone who's been in a relationship can recognize the good and the bad and the all that's in between. But it's it's a great little little piece. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And of course, we hope that a lot of film festivals here, I mean, there have been programmers by. Yeah. And so I think, uh, yeah, people will see more of this. Congratulations. Thanks so much for stopping by and talking. You're welcome. Hi, welcome Zilla. Thank you. Here we are in glorious South by Southwest. And I wanted to take the time to ask you, why is BBC VR Hub here? And also, what does BBC VR Hub do? Well, the BBC VR Hub is the BBC studio. And we had a, a challenge to create five or six really brilliant um, VR pieces across the genre, um, th across different genres that would really help people to understand, help audiences to understand and the organisation understand the possibilities of, of VR to really show people what VR could offer as content that's different from television. And do people, are they um, asked to participate in a call or do they randomly hit you up for uh, funding or how does it go about? Well, we've been funding some pieces. Um, we have generally gone, um, we've, we've kind of had to match with what the organization might want to do. So, for example, with news, we've made two um, exceptionally good um, news series with VR using 360 filming. One um, called Damming the Nile, which is a story of a huge dam being built in Ethiopia and its impact on Sudan and Egypt. And more recently, a big three-part series in the Congo. So we tried to do what the BBC is good at. Um, we've got a, a news, a global news organization with contacts all around the world. So that's what we've done for news. Um, but we also have several orchestras. And the piece that we brought to South by is a piece that uses the features of the BBC Symphony Orchestra and was a commission um, for the BBC Proms, which are concerts um, every summer in the Royal Albert Hall in London. Okay, so the piece we're talking about is Nothing to be Written. Do you mm -hmm. want to explain a little about the title? Yeah. Well, the, the title is taken from um, the text 
of, of special postcards that were created for soldiers to send back from the First World War. And um, because letters had to be censored, um, they needed to find a way for people to send back a quick message, like a text or a WhatsApp message to say, I'm well. So these postcards have text lines, I am well, I am in hospital, and you just had to cross, cross out things, and you could sign your name at the bottom. Nothing else was to be written. And that's what the text is taken from. Nothing is to be written below the line. What's interesting about this piece is it's really... And you could say it's an art piece or you could say it's a documentary, um, but there's no real dialogue. No, it's a music piece as well. And at its heart, it's a really exceptionally beautiful piece of music composed by a British composer called Anna Meredith, um, played with a full orchestra and and with a, a it's a choral piece as well. It's sung by the National Youth Choir. Um, and it um, yeah, so it premiered in the Albert Hall um, last summer. Well, that makes sense because it's quite reflective and mm. you're shown images that are several kinds of scenes of looking at the interiors of British homes during this time period. You see, obviously, the, a little bit of the trenches, the hospital. These are kind of the main sets. But also, I think it starts out at a post depot. Yes. Where all the letters are coming yeah. in. So the idea, I mean, it is a little bit abstract. So you can you can use your imagination to use it to tell the story that 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 works for you. But yeah, the space you're in changes from a hallway where the letters would come through the letterbox, um, through to a trench, through to a hospital train, um, through to the, the, to the post room where all those letters were being sent around Europe to, um, from the trenches to the, um, wives, mothers, fathers, grandparents waiting at home. Well, what's interesting is it's such a reflective piece with the combination of music and this, you know, artistic, um, 360 filming that oh, it's, it's all animated it's yeah. not actually filmed but at that's all. right yeah excuse yeah. me yeah. <laughs> no i should say on that one yeah. it feels sometimes you forget that with these pieces actually you yeah. really do mm. it is it's absolutely not filmed it is um but but it has that that sense that you're in a movie yeah of um and, and they merge several people's lives or several characters together um i think in the end where you see uh someone coming home and it could be um anybody yeah it could be your son and, and and i think different people see it in in different ways who that who that soldier is coming home giving you the postcard um but it is doing what vr can do it's putting you in a place in a story where you're feeling it all around you and and that's what virtual reality offers that is so different um than television and cinema right and the combination with the surround sound or the just gives especially such beautiful music it gives you a really good moment to reflect about what trench warfare is not a pretty sight, and so it does it in a way that isn't um, shock and gore. Yeah, but you're able to contemplate in in a serene way. Yeah, and art is such a good way to to make us um, feel um, the emotion of that story. And Fifty Nine Productions, who who created the artwork, and Lysander Ashton have done an amazing job at, at creating a piece that is a story, but is a deeply emotional one. And a lot of people have a little tear in their eye when they take the headset off. Yes, I I can attest that is true. I um I certainly can uh, imagine that. But one thing I wanted to know is why the you know the first world war was a hundred years ago and more at this point. Why was it uh, appropriate to bring now? 
Um, because it, the music piece was commissioned by um, an organisation in the UK called 1418 Now with the BBC and their specific okay. remit was to create a series of incredibly brilliant art pieces to help remember and commemorate the end of the, the the whole of the First World War and other historical episodes that happened. But that's 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 how it all came about. And we were able to use that um, to also create a, a really memorable virtual reality experience. Great. How many people have seen it about now and how can they have access to this? Well, this is the problem with VR. You can make great content now, but not many people have the headsets. But we deliberately created it for the Oculus Go headset, another mobile headset soon. And the reason we did that was we wanted this to be a piece that lots of people could see. If if you go really high end in terms of tech and really push the tech boundaries, you're usually limiting your audience. So when we launched this at at the BBC Prom, in in London last summer, we had 30, 40 people in a a concert seeing it. And that's why we we did it like that. Um, So we will run more events. We've had really amazing reception in in local libraries. We we took it for the Armistice Weekend to several local libraries in November. And again, people who've never, ever seen VR before, never had the chance to put on a virtual reality headset, were able to watch it and enjoy it. So that's, that's our mission. Just like the early days of television, that's what we're doing. Well, and the another element about this piece is it's really for all ages because you can just as easily have a teenager watch it as you can, you know, your most elderly grandparent. So it it, it can reach um, a broad audience. Yeah, and when when we when we um, in November last year we showed it to to Chelsea pensioners to to um, elderly veterans um, who who wear these wonderful red coats and um, live in a, a, a special um, accommodation in London and and they they were very very moved by it and it really made them reflect on on their years as soldiers as well so we know it works for young and old everyone can take something from it which is which is exactly what we wanted to do with BBC VR content we wanted to create content that would really reach um, and move a broad audience well thank you very much Zilla for talking with us and I wish nothing to be written lots of luck thank you Welcome, Maria Belen, our director, and welcome, Ezekiel, the producer. But just before we begin, please pronounce this correctly for us. Yeah, the name of the film is Metro 20 Cita Ciega in Spanish and Four Feet Blind Date in English. So Four Feet Blind Date. Can you tell us what is the meaning of the four feet? Yeah, four feet or Metro 20 is uh, the length, the height of the eyes, of the perspective of someone in a wheelchair. Um, this is because the experience is about a girl in a wheelchair and you experience all the time the world at that height. That was what was remarkable about the film is actually to have that perspective for the first time to see everything at that level. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, this is, we, cho- we chose this point of view because uh, we really wanted to share uh, the people, the experience of living the world uh, from a different perspective. And going through the world at this height is something that we are not used to. So we thought it was interesting to, to show it that way. Well, and just for the audience, the, the um, project is a little bit, well, not a little bit, is really about um, a woman, a young woman, a vibrant woman <laughs> in a wheelchair um, who goes on a blind date. Exactly. 
Yeah, we wanted to talk about disability and sexuality because it's uh, two topics that uh, are taboo by themselves and together are even more. Uh, we think it's important to talk about this, to make it visible and to let ourselves make questions. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the, the idea came up. Uh, Ezekiel can tell us more uh, how the project was born, but we want to de-dramatize the, the, the topic. We want to naturalize it, talk about it. And, and also if we, if we can laugh about it, that's okay. So Ezekiel, can you tell us a little bit how the project came about? Yes. Um, the project began when I met Rosario Perasolo. Um, she was at that time 18 years old and she was chosen to be a speaker at a TED talk. And uh, wow, the experience was uh, very, very eye opening. And uh, I, I heard her perspective, her personal uh, experience. She was 18 and she had been for five years in a wheelchair and she was sharing how she viewed the rest of society and how society views her. So after meeting Rosario, uh, I proposed to her to work on a project, on an immersive project that could share her point of view. And that's how VR came in the picture. And Rosario definitely said, let's take it to another level and let's talk about what really happens to us. Let's talk about what's happening to me. Let's bring sexuality on the table. So that's how the project began. Um, then we needed a director, but we knew we needed a very special one. And I had met Belen before in another project. And I really liked her sensitivity and the way that she constructs her work uh, with personal engagement with other people. Um, and therefore, they started working together with Rosario. And the three of us made like a very strong team to bring life to this to this project. Well, I will say what I liked a lot um was the naturalness of, of the story because there is a, a, a lot of it that you can really recognize as an audience because you're in one scene seated at the table with a mother and a sister. And it's the kind of conversations that would definitely happen with a mother and sister as everyone's drinking coffee or starting their morning. So there's a lot of realness about that. Do you want to talk about some of the other scenes that inject this kind of realness? Yes, what what we wanted to share when we were making the script uh, was uh, the intimacy of the character. These these little details of the of everyday life that we cannot see if we are not there, if we don't live in a wheelchair, because we are very used to seeing people in a wheelchair in the street, in the, like, without the ramp, with the ramp. So this is something that we are used to. But we are not in the table, in the bathroom, in the, so in the bedroom with the guy. So this, these little moments that are really intimate, personal, and that were possible to build because we had Rosario in the team and she was able to share these intimate situations. Um, we wanted people to really felt together with her, with the character, to be a witness, like a, uh, it's, it's like in a way when you see the experience, you are like the chair because we, you are all the time with her. Uh, no matter if she goes to the bed or to the bath or whatever, it, you are with her all the time and accompanying her and witnessing her life. So yeah, we wanted this intimacy to get 
uh, empathy also with the character. So the acting is very powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about the actress? Yes. Uh, we really wanted a disabled actress, uh, an actress in a wheelchair. We aimed for that. Uh, we started looking and making castings and talking with organizations um, of disability, of organizations of actors. And it was really, really a difficult uh, journey. Uh, we didn't find an 18 years old girl in a wheelchair with some experience in acting. So we decided to leave this aside, although we really wanted it. But we found Delfina Diez Javier. She's an incredible actress from Cordoba. And we find her a lot of talent, but also um, a strange beauty that we wanted to share. Like uh, this piece is a lot about how our bodies and the diversity of bodies, the diversity of beauties. So um, we liked also this about her. And we made a, a long process with Rosario and with the art, the actor director, Matias Benedetti and me to find how this body moves. How was the body of Juana? Because Delfina is, doesn't live in a wheelchair. So it was like going on to the street in a wheelchair, uh, putting things in her hands to feel the weight of the hands. A lot of techniques too coach and to find how a uh, disabled body moves. Um, this was really interesting process and she did an amazing work. Oh, Ezekiel, you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, something that is very important about this process as well is that the participation of Rosario. Rosario was the lead writer of this, but as well, she was on the back of the camera all the time. They teamed up with Belen and not only in the acting part, but also on set, um, and every level of the project, um, Rosario was there and was part of it. So I think that this is very important because it only, I mean, you cannot, you can see it in the piece that there's a lot of details that only experience can give you. And those are like the major contributions Rosario did. But as well, it was an experience for the rest of the team to also experience disability on a set, uh, having to think of a location to be accessible. Uh, of thinking how to move a whole crew when you have to go from one set to the other. Uh, it was like a, a great experience to really integrate and, and have diversity on the set that for us is really important. What were the challenges in shooting this in VR for you guys? Yes, uh, VR, it's really challenging because it's a um, new language that nobody really knows uh, how to how to use it so it's a lot of trying and error and trying and uh, discovering how to how to tell a story in VR um, you need a, a lot of rehearsal be before the shooting uh, because then you cannot direct the actors in 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 the scene so that's also a challenge for the actors. Um, you have technical aspects that we, you have to take into account and that then in post-production that uh, are kind of tricky. So it was a, a lot of learning, but fortunately we had a, a, a strong partner in, in the technical part that is um, Realidad 360 Argentina, uh, Damian Turquier. He's the VR director and spatial audio director and um, he is uh, really incredible and he knows a lot about this so 
uh, together we he tell me like, he told me like this you cannot do it this we can do it this way and, so yeah. you had guidance yeah a lot uh, adding to that yeah it was our first VR piece as well uh, we come from the flat uh, traditional uh, filmmaking and the project like really took a, another dimension from paper went to actually pre-production thanks to the support of the Biennale di Venezia the Cinema College VR um, because they not only funded the project but we had uh, 15 excellent mentors who were really mapping the challenges that VR has and who were asking us always to give more and to make the project better so that I mean having such a, a, an amazing team of experts coaching us and following us through the whole process definitely helped us resolve a lot of issues that being first-time VR makers, we would have, have never been able to resolve. That sounds very luxurious. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact. Can you tell us, um, you're both from Argentina. Is there anything, how's the Argentinian VR scene at the moment? The VR, the XR uh, scene in Argentina is growing a lot. Uh, we are very surprised to see that there's many projects that are are coming from Argentina and that are 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 having recognition in international. Um, friends of ours are are here at the festival as well, sharing their pieces. And there's a big big movement. Unfortunately, public funding is still restricted to new technologies, but uh, that that is starting to change little by little. Um, Cordoba, the province where we're from, uh, has recently assigned a specific fund for XR. This is a, a very, very uh, new innovation in funding. Um, we're waiting for the national fund to also create a fund for XR, hoping that it can support a very, very fast-growing community, uh, a very diverse talent. You have AR makers, you have VR makers, you have people designing hardware for XR experiences. So it, what we're very happy about Argentina is that there, there's a very big creative pool. Um, of course, funding in Argentina is still complicated and, and the economic crisis in the country doesn't help either. <laughs> What do you see next? Are you going to do more VR pieces, Belen? Uh, now we are actually working in the series. This is the first episode of a series that is Metro 20. Ah. Um, Blind Date is only the first episode. So we are in development and this story continues uh, uh, witnessing the life of Juana and her sexuality, but also a lot of experiences that she um goes through at her age like starting university friends loneliness fears uh drugs so all the things that uh, we are into when we when we are young but from the perspective of a wheelchair and a lot of experiences that are based in rosario's life of course that is the, the most important part of of this project um so where can people see this piece all right. The piece at this moment is on a festival route. So we've been traveling from festivals since the Venice premiere. Um, that's the first place. So if we stop by at the festival in the closest to you, that's a place to, to find us. Um, next stop is CPH Docs. We're very happy to be in a documentary film festival, being that this picture has a, a lot of more elements of fiction. Um, after that, we are already working on location-based installations 
installations. Um, we've got um, different proposals from museums. Um, we are aware that not everyone has accessibility to a headset. So instead of waiting for people to buy headsets, we want to take the headsets to the people. So we thought that museums are great places, that they receive a lot of people, and you can actually maintain an installation for quite some time. We've also received a lot of interest from universities and high schools. So the idea is to have uh, VR installations in these places to get it the, the picture across to as much people as possible. And eventually, after uh, the, the, all these processes go through, it will be available online as well. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you both for speaking with us. And we wish the film a lot of success. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.